This is Rob Bauer, and today in Tux Turbo Talk, we're talking to Nathan Haas from Team Patricia Albertsy about the Tour de Swiss. Right, it's Thursday the 20th of June, we're just before the start of stage 6 of the Tour de Swiss and on the line, Nathan Haas from Team Katusha Alpecin. Nathan, welcome, do you have your rain jacket ready for today? Yeah, I think we've got more than rain jackets ready, we've got, we're going to have to have some gumption to get through a day like this. Uh, is it really bad today? Uh, the storm last night was pretty impressive the lot of electrical storms and everything and and i believe that's the weather system we're about to ride back into so it's it's drizzling now but i think it's going to be it's going to be mayhem uh how, how is that for a rider like you do you have a certain preference for type of weather to ride in or yeah i don't think anyone actually likes riding in the right <laughs> i don't think there's there's some riders that are better at it than others but i don't think anyone actually likes riding or you know asks for a wet weather day because it's just not really enjoyable but it's it's part of the sport you know we all have to go through it and and everyone gets just as wet i think maybe one of the riders who doesn't mind it is uh, maybe a teammate and your leader in this tour de swiss says simon spilak yeah like i said though i don't think anyone actually enjoys that weather he's just good at it so it's it's um you know it's one of those things that can be in his favor but at the same time wet and cold weather can actually create really unpredictable situations in the race so sometimes you can actually find yourself less able to control the situation just because of that bad weather and how does it help for you maybe having a bit of skills from yeah being used to uh, riding that mountain bike from you when you were younger when you started the sport does it help uh do you know i I actually don't necessarily think um, there's much crossover when it comes to the mountain biking and the the road cycling in the wet because it's – if you said to me, you know, like how does that crossover on a race like Strada Bianchi, I'd say, you know, it's a massive advantage because, you know, if it's wet or dry, you actually know how the bike is supposed to feel on the gravel or the mud. And, you know, on a mountain bike, you're really used to it moving underneath you and actually kind of drifting and and actually sometimes getting the bike moving before a corner to actually really sort of drift through it. But but in the rain, you have that back wheel move or that front wheel move just that little bit and it's and it's game over. So it's it's actually I would actually say, you know, unfortunately, it's two different sports, mountain biking and, and road biking in the wet. Well, at least let's hope, uh, let's hope you stay upright uh, today. Uh, how's the Tour de Swiss going for you so far? You had a great stage two. Um, good feelings? Yeah, I was really, really uh, excited about how stage two went. Um, the the final climb, it was so steep. It was it was really just like one of those absolute lung busters and, and tested everyone's absolute max. And, and I managed to get over in the group of sort of 20, 25 guys, which was a good feeling. And and most of the fast guys in the peloton were actually dropped at that point. So it was, you know, for me, that's that's the kind of rider that I am when I'm at my best. And, um, you know, unfortunately, another 35 guys came back after the descent into the headwind just because, you know, we we couldn't really keep the race moving. We didn't have we didn't have any way to keep it going fast. And, you know, I sort of screwed up my positioning once the, the bunch got a little bit bigger and, you know, only managed to sprint to ninth place. But the, the reality on that day was I was – I was definitely feeling like I was back to my back to my normal best self and 
put myself in with the chance of uh, you know going for a really good result. Um, but then uh, Rick Zabel and I, uh, for the rest of this week, we've we've actually had really good legs for for most of it. But uh, we've just had a little bit of bad luck in the finals and. Uh, you know, sometimes cycling plays out like that. You know, you have you have flow and, and everything goes well. And other times, you know, it just feels as if the, the bad luck follows you around. So we're hoping to flick that um, just by staying staying and keeping at it. And how has that journey for you been this season so far to getting those good legs? Cause I think I've heard you mention in an interview once, uh, for you, good form can suddenly be there and suddenly be away or... Yeah, I mean, I, I would never use the word suddenly. It's just, it, it's more to the point that, you know, you're in a race and you're thinking like, God, how is this possible? You know, how are these guys doing this? It doesn't seem like it's humanly possible to be going this fast for that long. And you're suffering like a dog. And and then, you know, the next race you go to, you're climbing and you're thinking like, God, why is everyone breathing so hard? Like, why is everyone suffering? And, and then you get to the end of the race and people are like, that was so hard. And you sort of think, oh, you know, for me, that was actually not so bad. So it's, you know, it's all so relative. And I think the way pro cycling is going now, where everyone is just so good at training. We have so many coaches that are so good at the science and the numbers of everything. Everyone is at like 97%. And if you're at 97, you're kind of getting dropped. And if you're at 98 or 99%, you're in the race. And it's it's such a fine margin now where you know, you're either just able to be there within your limits or it just feels so over your limit, even though that that might only be like a one or two percent difference in the actual overall power for the day. You can either just stand it or you can't. And um, you know, unfortunately for myself, I got I got a bit of a virus and got ill at the start of the year, which really just threw all the momentum I had from that preseason. And then once you start again, when the sort of the midseason classics are, are going, everyone's already had a few tours in their legs, and uh, you know the the speed to catch up to it, it just takes a lot longer when everyone's already going super fast. So it's been a, it's been a harder season for me to actually get to that point. But uh, for what it's worth, uh, you know, I feel like I'm in really good condition now and, and uh, the momentum's moving in a good way. And where's that uh, momentum going to take you after Switzerland? I would love to see it take me through a lap around France. That'd be pretty cool. I've been looking to get back there for a few years. Um, but the, but cycling is, uh, you know, unless you are one of the absolute greats uh, and one of the leaders on the team, you actually generally don't really know if you're going to the Tour de France until the last minute. So, you know, I'm I'm staying positive and uh, and would really like to go. But first of all, I need to get through Tour de Suisse in a good way and and hopefully show my show my good legs um, in some form in the next couple of days. So yeah, obviously, as, as you already mentioned, Tour de France, um, I think there are quite a few stages maybe in there w- that would suit you as a rider. Uh, but first, that Tour de Suisse, what are you trying to get out of this for the next two days for yourself? Well, I think all the stages now where I can get a result are gone. Uh, now it's all GC days. They all finish on the top of a hill, uh, well, top of a mountain. Um, so I think, you know, the best thing that I can do now is just really show myself as as a strong kind of, uh, you know, domestique for Simon Spilak, really be there for those, those moments that I can be. Um, but you know, for, for the situation of the race and controlling it, you know, maybe, maybe a sneaky breakaway or two would be, could be pretty cool. And maybe even another uh, bet. Cause I've read on your Instagram that you had like a bet for the TT for the opening TT. <laughs> would it be another bet for a Saturday or 
Yeah, yeah, we we spoke about it. I said to my director, you know, he, he didn't think I could go top 20 and I was 19th. And uh, I think the longer time trial probably suits me just a little bit more than the, than the, than the shorter one. So I was saying that, oh, you know, maybe if I could creep into the top 15, I said I'd let him cut my hair anyway he wa- I, he wants if I'm not in the top 15 <laughs> and uh, and I get to cut his hair if I'm in the top 15 anyway I want but he's he hasn't agreed to it yet so so we'll, we'll see what happens it sounds like a better offer than double or nothing but uh, yeah 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 well, that, that money's safe in the pocket now <laughs> <laughs> all right that's awesome um, and then quickly we go to because you're on a tight schedule today um, let's go to the Tux Turbo Talk fan question of the week I saw you were already getting a bit excited on Twitter about that one so uh, maybe we can get through a few um, Georgia Jordovic was asking uh, do you have like a targeted cadence on races or does it come naturally oh I think every rider is a bit different. I'm not I'm not somebody that looks down at my computer really during the race for anything other than uh, you know the main thing that I look on the computer for is actually to see how many kilojoules we've burnt to make sure I'm eating enough. But when it comes to targeted cadence, you know maybe maybe for time trial specialists that's more of a thing. But whatever cadence I can actually do at the time is what will float me over the climb. It's just it's just a, a racing condition, you know. You don't you don't get to control something like cadence. And it's not something that you guys are, are, are in training paying attention to. Uh, I think some people are with particular efforts. Normally, normally, if you're a you know a time trialist, there is going to be a, a cadence that's going to be something that you want to stay on top of. But uh, you know, cadence is just not really one of the big determining factors. Uh, you know, in a race, that's for sure. It's, um, you know, it, it's something that everybody has a natural physiological uh, barrier with. Some people are spinners, some people are grinders, and that's just going to be something that follows them throughout their whole career. And I've heard of a few riders, like, say, Rowan Dennis, who's tried to actually have a higher cadence because he's been told he grinds too much, but then he becomes world champion using a grinding technique. Um, and after many years of coaches trying to get him to spin more, it, it hasn't helped. Um, make him actually spin faster he just does his speed at his power and and i think that would be my advice to anyone that looks at cadence is that actually just find the cadences that work for you and uh just become stronger yeah let's say uh, quickly get one more question in for you um warren wood was asking on twitter you're chosen to design the world champ scores anywhere in the world where and what would the route be ah uh, definitely my hometown of canberra we've uh We've had, uh, you know, so many guys from the world tour come from our town, like Michael Rogers, Michael Matthews, Matt Heyman, Rory Sutherland, myself, and uh, you know, a lot of guys even earlier than that, um, and and also a lot of world tour women like Gracie Elvin and Chloe Hosking. You know, it's a it's a city that has this amazing cycling culture, and I think some of the absolute best riding in the world as well. And and I would love to see the world's best take on my training roads that I grew up on in Canberra, Australia. So I think, you know, one day, hopefully, uh, hopefully maybe I can be on some kind of panel or board that tries to advocate world championships to be in my hometown. Wollongong, not close enough. It's getting close. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, Wollongong has some pretty cool history in that it, it used to be the old milk race, like the, the Combank Classic. Um, and, you know that that was one of the kind of first big races in Australia where the World Tour or or the Pro Tour or whatever it was actually called then 
came to Australia and, and showed everyone in Australia a flavor of what, you know, the best was like. Um, you know, it has it has a lot of history and it has some pretty cool some pretty cool jam uh, down there and and everything. But for me, you know, coming from Canberra, I think the the kind of cycling history that we have there is is very rich and the, the active participation of people in Canberra that actually ride bikes, not just to get to work, but actually at quite a high fitness level is is astounding. And and every time I go back to Australia, uh, you know, for the off season and I, I go to race one of the, the Wednesday night crits, the club races, you know, I think it might actually be more possible for me to win the Tour de France yellow jersey than to win one of these crits because it's just so competitive. And, <laughs> and uh, I really just love the, the attitude. I really love what Canberra cycling breeds and also it's it's really not an egotistical environment it's it's very much about the racing it's not about the equipment it's not about the kind of you know style of it it's actually just about pure racing because people just love the sport of cycling there and and I would really love to see world championships maybe after Wollongong uh, at some point see if they can finish somewhere in Canberra is that other world championship the one that's a bit closer uh, like at the end of the year September is that on your radar as well obviously maybe a strong Aussie team with Bling Jay yeah no no I'm I'm for sure going to be there if I have good legs and uh, you know we want to win 100% it's a race where you have to have a, a super strong punchy group of riders and over 280k's oof, this course we saw it in Yorkshire this year at the Tour of Yorkshire uh, and I tell you this is not going to be something that many guys come to the finish line it's so technical it's so hard and if the weather gods uh, have what they probably have planned in Yorkshire, it's going to be wet, cold, and disgusting. So it's going to be a race where I think a lot of character is is what matters. All right. Well, that's going to root for you that you at least be one of the guys who get to the finish line over there and maybe a good practice today in Switzerland with some, uh, yeah, definitely tough climbing and maybe even that horrendous weather. Uh, Nathan, thanks heaps for jumping on the Tux Turbo Talks. We're going to let you off. Uh, good luck today on the stage. Yeah, thank you, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get some time to warm up on some trainers beforehand because we go straight up a climb. It's got to be a short, a fast stage, so good luck with that. Uh, people, thank you all for listening to this new episode of the Tux Turbo Talks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. This was Rob Bau with Nathan Haas from Team Katusha Alpecin. Stay tuned for a new Tux Turbo Talks next week. <laughs>